pure, authentic conversation. That's Soulfully Casual. So grab your favorite beverage, sit in your favorite chair. Here is your host, Matty Ice. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Soulfully Casual podcast hosted by Matty Ice. We are a Matty Ice Media Network production, and I hope this finds you well on this wonderful, wonderful Thursday. Last episode was episode 101, and it was the start of a new journey, a new adventure for Soulfully Casual. I wanted to keep things more casual, stick to the initial thought that I had for this show. And I did the decide last week to sort of uh, educate a little bit on the things that I learned starting this new journey. It's like, well, if we're going to take a new journey together, isn't it good to be a little bit transparent for some of the other folks that maybe are going through this journey or maybe are hesitant to start this journey? Or hell, if you've been listening to me from the beginning, shout out to you, Miss Joyce, then you've probably heard the growth and the evolution of this show. And perhaps you are excited for the new future of the show. If you listened last week, I kind of started something for the month of October where I talked about music and Halloween, and that kind of gets into the general concept of the way that we use certain media, certain art forms around certain holidays and how they have sort of become emotionally attached to a particular holiday or a particular time of year. And there's a lot of music that fits perfectly well for the time period, for Halloween, for scary, for spooky, things like this, mysterious but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only time that you should ever be watching it or or paying attention to it. And I think that movies kind of fall into the same category for Halloween in that same sense. So with Christmas, and we're gonna talk about that during the month of December, with Christmas, those movies are very, very specifically made for a very specific time. And I have my thoughts on certain movies that may take place around Christmas, but aren't actually about Christmas, and there's some enigmas in there. But for Halloween, I wanted to get into the best movies of Halloween, but not necessarily do a top five list, because I think it is actually somewhat difficult to do that. But before we get started, I want to make sure that if you connect with the show on any topic, this one or any others, it's Instagram, Soulfully Casual Podcast, and Twitter, at Maddie S Media. I forgot to mention that at the top of the show, but those are the best ways to find me and hit me up about controversial topics such as this. But getting back to movies, so when I think about movies at Halloween, I think one of the things that media companies try to do is hone in on scary. And I think that there's really two avenues for Halloween movies. I think there are ways in which people are looking to actually be frightened, thrillers. And then there's stuff that is sort of in the realm of spooky, and I think about that are very Halloween-specific because they're movies that are very hokey or they sort of encapture a very hokey feel to them. And that's why I call them spooky movies because while they're not scary, they're not horror movies, they're not thrillers, they are perfect for a time period like Halloween because they basically are about things that you associate with Halloween. So something that's not on this list that I think is a perfect example is Casper. And that's not just the movie from the early or mid-90s with Christina Ricci, but also the cartoon, of course, Casper the Friendly Ghost. Now, ghosts are most likely uh, associated with Halloween, with being scared, right? Uh, There's a lot of people who feel that ghosts are real, and they are very superstitious about those apparitions being real. Haunted houses and so forth. And while haunted houses themselves are more on the scary realm, ghosts themselves don't necessarily have to be. And so Casper is a very good example of something that is perfect for Halloween because it's about ghosts, 
but it doesn't necessarily fit into a category of scary. So let's talk about the differences between these two. So when I think about movies at Halloween, I have two different agendas. I like to get into the spirit of Halloween because it's funny. As a kid, I loved Halloween for the idea that you got candy at the end of the month, and that was basically it. I was never into decorations. I never cared about the holiday early in the month, and I've noticed it as I become an adult, and I wonder if this is just a manufactured uh, from how we have done things in the retail world. But I think people have started to embrace the entire month of October as being sort of Halloween's month. It's sort of similar to Christmas, where people start thinking about Christmas right after Thanksgiving and the month of December up until the 25th anyway. Uh, in other households, in the Matty Ice household, we have the Christmas tree up till past January 1st, but that is another matter entirely. Uh, and I think people have started to embrace Halloween. I see decorations in people's homes and in their yards, and more people are sort of getting into the spirit of Halloween. And I kind of like that because we don't have a lot of periods of time where people do that. I think about other holidays like the 4th of July, like we don't have an entire month toward patriotism. Um, you know, Valentine's Day is a day. There's so many different holidays that happen that we don't take more than just that day for, but Christmas is a time period where it's a season, right? It's a time uh, where you celebrate it for a elongated amount of time. It's normal to do that or seen as normal to do that. And I like that we're doing that with Halloween. But with Halloween, I've noticed, you know, there's there's sort of two avenues. You either want to get into the the spiritual side of it, and I'm talking about being feeling the spirit of Halloween, the you know the crazy things that happen. And so there's a lot of those movies that I feel like are in that realm. So here's some of the ones that I came up with that I think more fit the bill of a spooky movie and not something that's scary. And so The Nightmare Before Christmas to me is the one anomaly in all of this because it talks about two holidays in one movie. But when I think about the premise of The Nightmare Before Christmas, which by the way is a fantastic movie if you're into musicals uh, and you're into Tim Burton's you know, sort of wacky, zany uh, sense of humor uh, that has everything for you, but the, the music is wonderful. But the idea of there being a Halloween town and the mayor of Halloween town, Jack Skellington, accidentally discovering Christmas town and seeing all the joy and good feelings and warmth, even though it's cold, uh, around Christmas and wanting to recreate that himself um, to me, it's more Halloween blossoming into something else. It's Halloween wanting to be something else, wanting to be something that it's not. And I guess it's really a microcosm and a message for us in our lives anyway. So many people try to be something that they're just not. And this is Halloween trying to be Christmas, and it's just not that way. Another one is Hocus Pocus, which has become sort of a cult classic now. I remember it coming out. I remember watching it as a kid, but I don't remember it being this revered movie. And all of a sudden, it has now become revered to where it's a must-watch at Halloween. And, you know, I watch it, and again, it's very hokey, it's very corny, uh, but it's spooky, right? Witches and, you know, talking cats and, like, a mummy Frankenstein sort of a thing. I mean, all of that is definitely in the wheelhouse of Halloween, and I would not watch that movie any other time of year, but that same with Nightmare Before Christmas. I would not watch that in July or June. It's just not the kind of movie that you would because it's too deeply associated with a particular holiday and a particular time of year. And then there's other movies like The Addams Family. So The Addams Family is another one where I probably could watch it all year long. And I think that's just because I grew up watching it at other times of the year. But it's obviously more associated with something relative to Halloween. And so therefore, I really only catch it when it's on TV for Halloween. Another movie that's in the Tim Burton realm, of course, is Beetlejuice. Now, I can watch Beetlejuice all year round. But again, I grew up watching that as a kid. I love Michael Keaton. Uh, I just love the whole thing. And it's shown more more now around Halloween. And I think it's sort of the thriller 
of some of those movies because you don't necessarily have to watch it at Halloween, but I can see the association. But again, it's not scary. It's more hokey and corny and spooky, so to so to speak. And it's also vulgar. I don't remember it being quite that vulgar, but it's, it's quite it's quite good. Uh, Ghostbusters, one of my favorite comedies of all time. And I think that this movie is not a Halloween movie. I just think it gets put out there because, again, the ghost factor. But this is a movie that you can watch all year round and not necessarily have to be in the spooky mood to watch it. It's one of the greatest comedies of our time, and I think it completely lives up. Every time I watch it, it gets funnier. And it's a, it's a must-watch if you've never seen it. Harold Ramis was a wonderful writer, wonderful actor, and boy, it's just great. The jokes I use to this day. But again, just because there's ghosts in it, doesn't mean that it belongs in Halloween, but that's more along the spooky lines. And then the one that always gets me that I throw in here because it's an 80s movie and it has so many 80s cliches and it is Teen Wolf. And again, werewolves are always associated with something scary, but I associate werewolves differently than Halloween, mainly because I think I played games like World of Warcraft where werewolves were just part of a character thing and it wasn't necessarily supposed to be spooky but I can understand that now there are werewolf movies that are actually in the horror category and we'll get to one of those but those are the ones I think of when I think of like spooky and do you make that distinction like are these movies or some of the movies that you could watch outside of the season of Halloween um, and, and to me I think some of them are but I think it has to do with the fact that I've associated with them with a previous time period or I've seen them in a previous time and I can pull them up and watch them outside of the season but I will admit I've fallen into the trap of watching most of them only this time of year because that's the time period when they're on TV except for Ghostbusters that's the only one where I'll pull it out and watch it because I own it and it's just that good of a movie I think on the other end of the spectrum of these movies you have horror movies and there's so many different types of horror movies uh, but I think the one that's most associated with Halloween are like the slasher films but there are others that are not slashers that actually are hor horrific, uh, and we'll get into some of those. And I think there can be some that you could consider a horror movie that are not associated with Halloween. Some of these like dystopian visions and stuff like that, and that's, that's sort of really out of scope for what it is that I'm doing here. But I can see some of those as being a horror movie, you know, like The Handmaid's Tale. It's not a movie, but a show. But I think you get the idea that that would be horrific to many, many people to be a reality. But it's not necessarily a horror movie in that same sense. So when I think of slashers, I think to me the ultimate slasher film is Halloween. And I'm talking about the first one. They've obviously made tons of sequels. And honestly, the slasher movies are, um, you know, the, the place where a lot of these sequels started. And they became so, so bad. Because unfortunately, in a movie series, whenever you make a sequel no matter how great the sequel actually is it almost always is not as good as the original mainly because what ends up happening in as a sequel is you go more big and, and you try to get better but you don't because you have to up the ante in the second one in some fashion and as much as I love Guardians of the Galaxy 2 I didn't find it to be as good as Guardians of the Galaxy 1 even if they both are objectively good but the first Halloween is just something to behold it's truly thrilling and it's truly scary in the way that they have presented it. So I see it very similar to Jaws. One of the things that made Jaws work so well was the fact that in reality, the shark, the machine didn't work very well. So they couldn't use it for the first half of the film. And the lack of seeing the shark for the first half of the film actually made the shark scarier when you finally saw it. All those attacks that took place without physically seeing the shark made them horrifying and terrifying because you could imagine being in the water and getting attacked by something you can't see and then just not being there. And in the way that they presented Michael Myers, you got a little bit of backstory on it, 
but for the most part, he just seemingly needlessly stalked everybody in that neighborhood, and you didn't see a lot of action. It wasn't quite like the jump scares that we're used to. Uh, the way that it was put together, the music, it was all, it just worked so well. And I watched it the other day, and it's still scary as hell. Michael Myers is still scary as hell. The concept of somebody being that mentally uh, of a loose cannon, right, with that kind of strength, um, you never know. And it's something that could be a part of that weird reality that we just don't know. Uh, but I love Halloween. Another one that I don't think gets used quite often enough uh, is Poltergeist. Now, this one freaks me out, but for many reasons. Unfortunately, it doesn't hold up as well in some ways, but there are some parts of it that do hold up. And Craig T. Nelson is in this, and this was back during his coach days. But essentially, the premise, and a spoiler again for most of these, is uh, you know he and his family buying a house that turns out was on an Indian burial ground, uh, and their house was haunted with this poltergeist, and it was going after their kids. Uh, this is the famous scene where the woman is basically like she's in a t-shirt and her underwear and she's like thrown up on the the ceiling and she's being pulled across the ceiling and her daughter's being pulled through this doorway by this like creepy clown thing and then they get an exorcist to come in uh, there's a lot of intense moments and i do like it some of it is a little bit campy these days and i think that's just the nature of being in the 80s and old but overall i think it's a great experience and i like that one a lot uh, the first Scream movie actually was sort of a return to form to horror, interestingly enough. And Wes Craven, who was known for a lot of, you know, the old horror movies, some of which we are on this list, but Wes Craven sort of came back to the horror genre with this movie. And Scream, one of the things that it did that I, I said this about The Sopranos as well, is it was very good at being self-aware. And Scream in and of itself was very self-aware of the way that the horror and slasher genre had cliched itself over the years. And they presented themselves in a way that was lacking some of those cliches or making fun of those cliches. And I think that, that is really cool. Like the scene that I think about is, you know, coming up with the rules as to who's going to survive a horror movie and never say I'll be right back and never have sex in a horror movie or lose your virginity in a horror movie. Right. And those are the things that are going to dictate whether you're going to live or die. And they made fun of those cliches. And yet you saw, right, that they, they played into them a little bit. And I think that that was really genius writing. The movie in and of itself, especially the opening scene, was very intense. You really didn't know who the killer was the whole time. If you did, kudos to you. I didn't. Uh, and the way that it was presented with the backstory, you know, the the Nev Campbell's mom sleeping with, uh, you know, Billy's mother, you know, Billy's father, and causing him to leave. So many things weaved in there that was emotional. The motive stuff, and of course, the people themselves having put together their plan of attack based off of watching other horror movies. Like there's so many great things about it. That's one that's a must watch. And I think that that is scary, but there's so many things about it that are scary that it almost hits really close to home. Uh, another one that I always think of is Nightmare on Elm Street. Of course, Freddy is an iconic uh, horror movie villain these days, but I think the idea of somebody haunting you in your dreams is pretty creepy. And of course the visuals, uh, you know, the whole thing was uh, put together very well. That's iconic. That's a slasher film in my opinion. Obviously, you have others like Friday the 13th and so forth, but there's ones that stick out to me as scary for different reasons. So, The Ring. That came out when I was in college, and it still creeps me out to this day. Uh, for some reason, the concept of watching a tape and then not knowing when your death is going to happen, uh, the, the creepiness of Brian Cox's character trying to figure out who the girl was. I haven't seen it in many years, but I remember that legitimately freaked me out. There was actually the one scene where the mom was talking about finding her daughter in the closet and then they like jump scared you into seeing it and I was legitimately frightened watching that movie and I was in college. 
And that's one that, again, it's it's unrealistic. Like, I know that it's not real, but the way that it was put together, the way that it was presented, it was scary as hell. Uh, American Werewolf in Paris is another one. Actually, I would say that that movie is, is one that is iconic, mainly because the transformation scene was one that was never done that way before. Most uh, werewolf films are so campy and hokey, and the werewolves look so weird. But in this one, it was just such a great presentation. Uh, the special effects were ahead of its time in a lot of ways back then. And obviously the story was good. So that's one that I think of at this time. And again, I think that's one I probably could watch at other times. But again, it gets it's sort of pigeonholed into this time period. And I think naturally so. Uh, the last one for me, which I think is the ultimate scary movie of all time, and that's The Exorcist. Um, this one I was fortunate enough to get to see in theaters when it was re-released for something like its 30th you know, anniversary or something like that. That movie genuinely creeps me out. And I think the reason why it is so well done and it's a movie that I can watch at other times. It, of course, is only on at Halloween now. And that's kind of a theme here is that there's a lot of great art that is out that gets pigeonholed into the Halloween genre because, hey, we have to find something scary. But these movies have existed in and of themselves, a lot of them in Academy Award winning ways or some of them anyway, before we had this you know, sort of season that we need to be scared on. And The Exorcist falls into that category, taking place uh, in the District of Columbia area obviously the whole religious overtones of it of course you know an exorcism the power of christ compels you a little girl getting uh you know demonized by this by this demon right inside of her some of the things she was saying i mean it was genuinely put together anybody who watches it today would probably say oh it looks so fake but you have to put yourself back when it came out in the 1970s early 1970s i remember my dad telling me how much it freaked him out watching it because again this was TV was not presented this way or films were not presented this way back then and so that's kind of my list it's not a list that's like my favorites but these are the ones I think about this time of year and I think that these distinctions need to be made because I genuinely seek out certain things at this time of year that I would not seek out at other times but I think a vast majority of what they show is stuff that just gets pigeonholed because hey it, it counts as scary or hey it's kind of spooky and hokey when a lot of these movies don't come out at Halloween. Like if you think about the release of a lot of these horror movies, they come out in the summertime. Summer blockbuster is a thing. You don't hear about a Halloween blockbuster, but over time, people assimilate them into their Halloween collective, and I think that's just where we are. But what are some movies that you like to watch this time of year? Uh, Non-movies, I, I discovered Stranger Things when my wife and I started watching it on Halloween night one year uh, before we, or after we were married. And it's like, you know, that's not a Halloween thing. I see that as a more sci-fi thing, but it worked out perfectly because that first episode was scary as hell the way that they presented it. And it was a perfect night to start watching it, but it's something that I can watch at any time of year. Uh, it doesn't have to be at Halloween, but what are some of your favorite movies? Hit us up, um, Soulfully Casual Podcast at Instagram, at Media on Twitter. I would love to know because I could ha I could debate movies all day with people about what's Halloween, what's not Halloween. Uh, you know, is it unfair that we, we generally, genuinely only show these movies at Halloween? Should we be showing them at other times of the year? And have we done ourselves a disservice by all of a sudden thinking that these movies have to be stuck in a certain genre or a certain amount of, a certain period of time when... You know, they're objectively good movies, and I think half the movies on this list, you could say, yeah, those are totally Halloween. Half of them, though, I think are genuinely good and objectively good, and I think, you know, we kind of need to figure that one out because Hulu and, you know, Freeform are going to show you all these movies at this time, but just don't forget about them through the rest of the year. So this is the type of stuff that I think about. This is the type of stuff that I want to do on Soulfully Casual, and hopefully one of these days uh, we can do a top five with, with somebody else here in the room 
or on Zoom and bring that to you. But I look forward to the rest of the show. I look forward to continuing to do it. Uh, We got more Halloween stuff. We're going to end the month with a very controversial Halloween candy episode. Uh, People have some feelings about Halloween candy, let me tell you. And I'm sure that I have a hot take here and there about Halloween candy because it is what it is. Uh, But we'll figure out something fun for next week. So if you're into the Halloween stuff, definitely tune in because I'm going to try to keep that energy going all the way through to the end of the month. And uh, what are some things you're looking forward to the rest of this month? Have you decorated your house? Have you started watching movies? Uh, Did you listen to my music episode? Let me know. Hit me up on the show. Uh, Take it, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your loved ones, and make sure, as always, that you are hugging your loved ones because we get very, very limited time with them. And I appreciate your listenership, uh, your support throughout this whole journey. It's been wonderful. And you know what? Just going to keep pumping out episodes after episode after episode because it's something that makes me happy. And my listenership uh, is what keeps me going. So take care, everyone. I will talk to you next week. Have a great weekend. Peace. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on the Soulfully Casual podcast are those of Matty Ice and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. The Soulfully Casual podcast is exclusively owned by Matty Ice and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.